let's just stop and pray for all the young men and women that are fighting for us. They're not doing that for them. They'd rather be back over here. But they have, see, they've gone beyond themselves and they're serving us. Come on, we can get out of, we can get out of our own little world and we can serve them in prayer. We can serve our neighbors. We don't have to be the center of our own universe. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, we stand as a family. We lift up every man and woman that are serving us in the military right now. Whether they be abroad or, or they be home, we stand with them right now. We thank you. We are a thankful people that you've allowed them to serve us freely and willingly. That they chose to serve. Holy Spirit, guide each and every one of them. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to them at the time of need. Thank you. Thank you. May we in return begin to serve because of the freedom that's laid before us. May we get out of our own little world and realize there's other people out there than ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Israel. 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 You could have used this one. That's, uh, if you've been telling your wife how good a cook she is, you better prove it. Votes count. Amen. Um, again, and uh, Vicki is uh, heading up the, the outreach to uh, the Coca family uh, for food and, and, you know, casseroles. And just be, if you'd like to help with that, and I hope everybody does, to make it, you know, to over and abundant, just not enough, but more than enough. Our God's a big God, amen. And uh, see Vicky about helping her 
arrange food for the family, uh, just not here uh, at, at the church, but uh, during the week. Amen? So let, let's go above and beyond uh, what is normal. Anybody can do normal. And, uh, you know, that, that's what the grace of God is all about. And we're not, we weren't going to share on the grace of God, but maybe we should. But, you know, a grace, you know, we've heard for years is unmerited favor. But in my lifetime, I've really never understood how to apply unmerited favor in my life. And I was studying the word and came unto a, re a revelation that uh, a better way of putting unmerited favor as the definition for grace is that it's God's ability in our inability. So in other words, in our inability to be saved, God has given us his ability. He has given us his ability, so we now have the ability. But it's his grace. By grace, we've been saved through faith. Paul said that he did more because of grace than he ever had before. You know, he went beyond his ability. The, the, there's people that gave beyond their ability because they operated in grace. And that's what uh, being responsible. No, he says, frustrate not the grace of God. Frustrate not the ability of God. So if you're doing it in your ability, you're not using him. And you just frustrated it. Mm. Let's don't do things in our ability. Let's do them in His. Amen. Anything else before we get started? Or continue, I should say. Children. <laughs> ah, I knew if I looked around long enough. Can, can, can you turn this up so I don't have to squeak so loud? Father, in the name of Jesus, let's just reach our hand back to the children right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you manifest in the ministry to the children. I pray that the, the teachers, the servants that you've called to serve your children will be gifted by you, operate in your grace and the gift that you've given them. Father, I pray for the ability to learn, the grace to learn, the grace to hear in the children. Father, we pray for... Uh, the nursery and the nursery workers, the little tots, right now as they're hearing your word, may it be implanted in their heart at a young age. Because we know that what they're hearing right now, they'll carry with them the rest of their life. May they feel your love, your acceptance, and your favor. In all God's people say, amen and amen. All right. Hallelujah. Last week, we started talking, uh, we, we, we started a series on called The War is Over. And it was based out of uh, Luke chapter 2. Turn me off just a little bit. We're starting to get a little, well, they all left. Anybody still up there? <laughs> we started a... Uh, a series last week, it's going to go for four weeks, uh, called The War is Over, based out of the book of Luke. And what we need to understand again is that after 400 silent years, 400 silent years between the New Testament and the Old Testament, see, God didn't speak. And what we learned last, year, uh, last week is that the children of Israel were not scared of the devil. 
I know it takes a lot of church people by shock, but the devil wasn't the issue back then. They weren't scared of the devil, they were scared of God. Because every time God spoke, people died. Throughout history, God's, it, see, it wasn't the devil that opened up the ground and swallowed hundreds of Israelites because of sin. It wasn't the devil that brought fire down and struck 250 Israelites because of sin. It wasn't the devil that called the walls of Jericho to fall over and crush an entire civilization of people. It was God. See, when God showed up, somebody See, God loved people, but he had a problem with sin. And so he sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for all man's sin. And he declared that in Luke chapter 2, after 400 silent years, God opened up all the heavens and a host of heavenly hosts shouted. <clears throat> that wasn't a very good shout. <clears throat> it was a little hindrance this morning. Shouted with a loud voice. Someone shout. Someone shout with a loud voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I feel better. Peace on earth and goodwill toward, not between, but toward man. See, if the scripture was, see, sometimes we understand it, that we're supposed to have peace on earth between men and we're supposed to be all hunky-dory and just, no. Because Jesus even said himself, I did not come to bring peace on earth, but I came to bring a sore. Son against father, daughter against mother, family member against family member. Because he knew the word that he was going to bring was going to be contrary to what other people in the family. Anybody experienced that? Anybody ever received the gospel and it was contrary to other family members? Has anybody felt that contrary uh, persecution? You know, uh, I've, I've met many people in, in the time of ministry where they're the only person that's a believer in all of the family. And I, I didn't think I, I had a very good testimony when I was, I was raised in a Baptist church and testimonies were, you know, uh, good to hear and we heard them all the time and heard about all these people that had, you know, people that did this and did this and how God brought them out of that and changed their life. And, and I was just a good old Baptist boy, you know, cross and a butter knife. If you ever read the book Cross and the Switchblade, I'm kind of like a little less than that. And I was just a good kid. And so I, I didn't think that I really had much of a testimony until years later. It, wasn't, it was probably, I, I can't even guess how many, not, not too long ago, God brought it to my remembrance that nobody on my, I don't have an aunt, uncle, brother, uh, cousin that's not saved. And not only that, but I'm married into a family. And Joy can't think of an aunt, uncle, brother, sister that's not saved. That's a testimony. Oh. 
But I'm here to tell you, if you're the first, you're not the last. That's how special you are because God chose you to bring righteousness, the gospel, his love to your family. It's got a, my, my testimony started with one somewhere in the past. Amen? Amen. Oh, God's chosen you. If that's your scenario, God's chosen you to get beyond yourself and touch your family. Amen? So anyway, the shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night, they were so afraid. They, all of heaven opened up and they were scared. They heard God. They're hearing God. The angels are declaring from all of heaven, peace on earth and good to will toward men. And last week we talked about this more in detail. We're not going to go re review all of that. We went into the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 54 where it says that God's fixing to say something and he says this is like the waters of Noah to me. As the waters of Noah never have covered the ground again, so I swear again that he'll not rebuke us, be mad at us, or will his covenant of peace be removed. It says in Isaiah 40 that if, it says, shout to Jerusalem, cry out to her that her war is over. See, God was at battle with sin and man was in the way. So he sent Jesus. Now after 400 silent years, God declared from heaven. See, it's just not a nativity scene. It's just not a Christmas story, and that's where we as Americans really misuse this. This is, if you, under, whatever you understand in this word has to come from the covenant of peace. Uh, there's a lot of teachings and a lot of understandings out there that don't come from the gospel of peace, which comes from the covenant of peace. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of anger. You know, there's national prophets that prophesy and say that, Thus saith the Lord, uh, I, I brought the hurricane to Miami. I heard this on TV. Because of the sin. And it was an act of judgment. You know, God did this. Did y'all ever hear, did y'all hear that one? Or when a storm comes through, it's God's judgment. Listen. The Bible tells us that we need to condemn words of judgment. The scripture says that no weapon formed against us will prosper and we shall condemn every word of judgment that comes against us. Mm. We need to read this word as the angels declare it, peace. Something happened. See, in the old covenant, God said, kill his enemies. In the new covenant, he said, love them. Something happened. His name is Jesus. Amen. The place was Calvary. And it was His blood. Turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. 
Now, Romans chapter 10 has many verses that you've heard before and you've seen before, but I don't know if we've really heard them and seen them with the understanding of the gospel of peace. Because it says down here in Romans 10, 15, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who, being, who bring glad tidings of good things. You could almost say, that's just what the angel said. Glad tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So my ministry, my heart, the filter that I use when I read the scripture, it's based in this. It's based in, the, it's with the understanding of the gospel. You know, our responsibility is not to tell you what's wrong with you. You've heard me say this before. It's to let you know what's right with you. What God's done on the inside so you can let it manifest on the outside. See, religion will always attack you on the outside. Religion will say you've got to change before you come to church. Religion will say that you're not good enough for the blessings. Everybody raise your hand. Right now, everybody raise your hand. You're not good enough. Jesus was. If it was based on you, we wouldn't have nothing. But Jesus was good enough. You know, I like the scripture says, take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. You know, I've been involved with many uh, churches and, and teachings and been to conferences on warfare and deliverance and and we operate in those areas, but usually when they come up with that scripture and talk about that scripture, they're talk, they start coming against those thoughts. They take every thought captive, and they, they start rebuking the thoughts. And da, da, da. Well, that's not taking thoughts captive. Matter of fact, I think this fits with the prophetic word that came this morning. Since it's military, it's almost like a military theme, Frank. You know, I, I'm sorry, what was your name? Jacob, come here for a second. You like drama, don't you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, you're, I mean, you're pretty stout, so don't, don't fight me too hard because I'm, I'm an older guy. <laughs> but I do watch MMA. Okay. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Now, I want you to try to, to go down that aisle. Go down it? Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Get down that aisle. Come on, boy. You're bigger than me. Go ahead. Say. See, when you take something captive, you don't let it go. <laughs> oh, still keep going? <laughs> the scripture says, take every thought. We're trying to rebuke it. Anybody try to rebuke those bad thoughts? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. This church doesn't have them. The other churches. I'm sorry. I just took that for granted. No. We're talking about other people in other churches. It says to take it captive, Frank. Ed, who's been in, Ed, where's Ed? He's been in the military, oh, right here in front of me. Uh, big old guy like Ed, and I can't even see him. Wait a minute. Oh, there he is. <laughs> take it captive. What do you do when you take something captive? You don't let it go, and then you interrogate it. Why are you here? What are you doing? Who sent you? You don't belong. You interrogate it. See, those aren't your thoughts. 
Find out what's in your heart, why your heart has allowed them to be in there, and then deal with it. See, it's talking about the area of your soul. See, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. See, we over the years have tried to stop things on the outside. We've tried to stop the bad habits. You know, we've tried to stop things. And we're going to get into this more in detail on Wednesday nights as the weeks progress and the months go on. And we're going to talk about the things that help us get to change this. It's the real you. Just like the children back in the nursery, I believe what they're hearing right now is impacting their soul. The real them. And see, there's things that happen in our life over and over and over again. We try to Have you ever tried stopping a sin in the past? And then it comes back on you again? The devil made me do it, right? No, he didn't. You made you do it. And the Bible tells us why. Take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. See, it's not your obedience. Is he telling us we're not supposed to be obedient? I didn't say that. But your victory doesn't come from your obedience. It comes from his. Wow. All right, I'm meddling. That's all right. Let's go on. <clears throat> Let's go on. It says here, it says, Who bring glad tidings of good things? Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, verse 17. Have you ever heard this verse before? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Have you ever, anybody, raise your hand if you've ever heard that, that verse. What is the word of God you're supposed to be hearing? The gospel of peace. It's just not pick and choose. In context, faith, the faith that you need to live the life that God's called you to live is based from you hearing the gospel of peace. And the church has no idea what it is. No wonder we're not effective. No wonder we haven't made an impact. Because faith hasn't risen up in us, because we haven't heard about the gospel of peace. To show you how important this is, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Let's read it. It's going to blow you away. Brethren, my heart's desire. This is Paul speaking. Everybody say, heart's desire. In other words, his passion. Listen, his passion. My, my heart's desire in prayer to God for who? Is he? Where's he at? No. Paul wasn't praying for you, bro. For Israel is that they may be. Now, see, we just read this. This is so. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. You are the great teacher that you'll open the eyes of our understanding. We know so much, we understand so little. Right now, may we read this again. 
for the first time. Israel was a society of people. It was a group of people that had a set thought pattern, a set parameter of knowledge, customs and things that were normal called traditions around said knowledge. They loved God, they feared God, and they followed the law. And they weren't saved. Mm. Mm. Or was Paul just wasting his time? They weren't saved. They went to church every Sabbath, obeyed the law, did what they were told to do in the past. But they weren't saved. You ever think about that before? That's what the Bible just said. Jesus even said this as he came down the eastern gate right before Palm Sunday. Oh, here's a little commercial. You don't want to miss Easter. I'm just telling you right now. I want every one of you to begin to have a family reunion at your house Easter. And Durant. And bring everybody you know. Because we're going to light it up. I guarantee you that. But Jesus, as he came down approaching the eastern gate, he wept and said, Jerusalem, you did not know the day of your salvation. Paul says here that his heart to God for Israel was that they be saved. See, they had knowledge. They had reverence. They had obedience. And they had a form of righteousness that came from the law and the obedience to the law. Did they not? Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to Knowledge. Now, we're not going to stop and do a word study on the word knowledge. Wow. Not according to knowledge. Real quickly, that word knowledge is gnosko. It is the same meaning of the word in Hebrew where it means yada. Where it says, Adam knew Eve and had children. That word knew, where it says Adam knew Eve, is the word yada. The word yada means intimate, personal relationship with. Adam had an intimate, personal relationship with Eve and had children. Same verse in Daniel eleven thirty two, 32, it says, The people that do know their God. The people that do yada their God. 
will be strong and will do great exploits. It just will be an outcome of that living, breathing relationship. The people that do have an intimate, personal relationship with God. Jesus said this. He said, he said depart from me for I never... Gnosko. I never had an intimate, personal relationship with you. Oops. For they being ignorant... For I bear them witness, verse 2, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal of God, but not according to Gnosko, an intimate, personal relationship with. Why not? Why didn't they have knowledge? They had knowledge, but not the right knowledge. See, Jesus told them to repent. Jesus came to the children of Israel and told the children of Israel his first message right out of the box. His ministry said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. <coughs> change, the word repent means change the way you think. Because you'll never stop what you're doing on the outside until first you change what's on the inside. Unless you're just religious. For, I be, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness. See, they didn't have knowledge of God's righteousness. They had knowledge of righteousness according to the law. But in this, this, this time and this age that Jesus was ushering in at the nativity was about Jesus being the source of righteousness. See, righteousness is, this is not a, a series on righteousness, but righteousness is not moral or ethical behavior. Well, that's just not righteous. You ever hear someone say that? Well, that's just not righteous. See, no, no, see, righteousness is not a verb. That would be moral or ethical behavior. Righteousness is a position that you hold in right standing with God. Jesus, we step into his righteousness. We are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, not because of our obedience to the law, but because of Jesus' obedience to the law. It's because of what He did, we're something. It's because of what He did, we're kings and priests. It's because of what He did, we're more than conquerors. It's because of what He did, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And what's that weapon? Word of judgment. See, if you have knowledge of what he did, you won't receive words of judgment. It won't prosper in your life. If you think it's all about you and your obedience, that word of judgment will put guilt on you and cause you. See, the end result of guilt is isolation. Not repentance. It's isolation. Repentance comes when you experience love. The scripture says the goodness of God draws all men to Verse 3 says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, having not submitted to the righteousness of God. See, the children of Israel weren't saved. They were still trusting their obedience to the law and their form and what was normal. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So once Christ came, 
that process or that way for righteousness, circumcision, it ended, it was over, it's done. But they didn't see that. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. And we're going to keep on going here for the sake of time. But what does it say? What is it? It is referring back up to righteousness. Righteousness says something. Moses said something. Now righteousness says something. But what does righteousness say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. You ever hear the word of faith? You ever hear the word of faith? There's a whole movement called the faith movement. Thank God for the faith movement. But it's faith in Christ's righteousness. Faith in the gospel of peace. Faith in the finished work of Calvary. Here we get down to a real popular scripture. Verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You ever heard that one before? Now it's funny how we just pluck this out and use it and take it out of context. Verse 10 says... For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it starts in your heart, not with your mouth. It starts with your believing. Now, we use this. This is probably the most important scripture used for salvation, for evangelism. But look at its context. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call upon him who may have not believed? How can they believe unless they've heard And how shall they hear without a preacher or proclaimer? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And what is the preacher supposed to tell them? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and glad tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. See, that message is what's going to stir up faith in people so they can believe and receive the salvation God's given them, not fear and judgment. Hell, fire, and brimstone is not getting people saved. It is the goodness of God that gets people saved. See, the goodness, see, hell, fire, and brimstone will work on the outside. God's love will work on the inside. Come on, church. God's word will work on the inside. The scripture says the implanted word of the what? The implanted word of God 
is able to save your soul. John said this, I pray that you prosper and be in health on the outside, even as you're... It happens on the inside. The capacity you have for prosperity and healing is dependent upon the condition of your heart. You can give all you want to, but if you don't have prosperity in your heart, you're just going to be broke. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says that the issues, the boundaries, and the borders of life are determined not by God, but by your heart. On Wednesday nights, we're going to be getting into heart series, talking about heart physics, why you do what you do. It'll change your life. I am 100% sure, guaranteed, you will not be the same ever again. I don't know much how clear it can be. Here it is. Salvation is based on the hearing of the gospel of peace. That God's not mad at people no more. He dealt with sin. Man, the children of Israel, tried to live in a system. See, I believe the church has kept that system alive. Just doing what we're told to do. Just doing the same old thing but never having the knowledge. We've, we're ignorant of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. The Bible says, let the peace of God rule your heart. Oh, there's that word again, heart. Let the peace of, oh, we say that scripture, we know that scripture, but what is the peace of God? It's called the gospel of peace. Next two weeks, we're going to continue the series on the gospel of peace. I want you to stand. Casey. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if for some reason you're here, and you have been in church all your life just like the children of Israel were in church all their life. Just according to knowledge. It's called a form of godliness, but no power therein. I want to introduce you to a God that loves you more than you can ever comprehend. A God that cares for you more than you'll ever know. I want to introduce you to, to life and life more abundant. See, the reason you're not experiencing life and life more abundant is because you don't have the knowledge of the gospel of peace and what God really has done for you. You are free. You're free. He has set you free. There's healing available. See, Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, 
Over here was the beginning of ages. And all this took place till over here. Jesus came on the scene and said, change the way you think, children of Israel. Relate to God differently than the way you've done before because there's a kingdom that's coming. Thy kingdom come, thy on If you've been listening to a doctrine that's telling you there's to hang on until the end, I love this. Now, this is my Baptist roots now. Though none go with me, I still will follow. Give me some kind of break. What kind of witness is that? Though none go with me. Come on. Come on. It's not about going to heaven. It's about living in heaven on earth. Jesus was a walking manifestation of the kingdom of heaven. Signs, wonders, and miracles, provision, life and life more abundant. Still went through problems. Still went through things. Matter of fact, you got to get that platform built. It's a long way up here. The storms that Jesus spoke to never bothered Jesus. See, we're all about stopping the storm so we can have an easy life. That is called American gospel. The gospel of the Americas. Most people get saved so they can have an easy life. Jesus said there's a kingdom. Your first priority in life, and this is the word of Jesus, is to seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Come on, that's good preaching. And all these things will be given unto you we're after the things and we're missing the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness because of lack of knowledge. We have a zeal for God, but according to the wrong knowledge. Just like the children of Israel. And we're not making an impact. Question. Is your Christianity doing anything? in the world around you? Mm. 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 Church. Is this church's faith doing anything in the community around us? Not enough. Signs. Wonders. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior this morning, right here, right where you stand, is a perfect time. Remember, the scripture says, To him who believe, my gift is to inspire you to believe the kingdom 
and its righteousness. We want to pray with you. We have people in this body that are gifted prayer warriors. They know how to minister. It's not up to me. It's not up to them. It's up to you. This church isn't going to be changed by me. The impact we make on the community is not going to be because I'm here. It's because you're here. You took the marching orders this morning. It was a mandate. God did that. For such a time as this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you want to confess Him as Lord. See, some of you may know Him as Savior, but do you know Him as Lord? See, Lord takes on a whole new meaning. It means discipleship, surrender. It means your life is going to change according to His will and glory. If you'd like for us to pray for you in any shape, way, or form, raise up your hand right now. Because that's what we're here for. That's why we moved here, to be a part of your family, is to be with you in a time of need, to pray with you, to stir the gift of God within you. Now is the time. Now is the time. Hallelujah. Father, I surrender to your will. As the pastor of this church, I declare we will serve you. We are yours. Do here as you will. Holy Spirit, guide us and direct us as a body. Guide us and direct us as individuals. Train us. Disciple us. We surrender to your discipleship. Holy Spirit. Bring us the knowledge of the kingdom. And all God's people said, Amen. Make sure you hug a neck, shake a hand, be friendly, love one another. Amen. Remember, you're walking out the doors into the mission field.